Hi, this is Eric Myers, welcoming you back to the Top Fermented Podcast. What we're going to talk about this week is aging beer. So one of the things that I get asked the most over time, I mean, wherever I go, uh, whether it be uh, through mystery, dealing with a, a retail account or a bottle shop, or talking with potential distributors, or you know, when we're shipping beer, or everything like that, uh, one of the most common questions I get is, does this beer need to be refrigerated? And uh, I really want to talk about why the blanket answer is yes, and talk about aging beer and what it means when you're aging beer. So beer is a living thing, and it should be enjoyed fresh as often as possible. Very, very few beers lend themselves to aging. Uh, the reason that is is because hop character diminishes over time, uh, and most of it goes away really fast. So if you have a hoppy beer, you need to enjoy it really soon. 30 days makes a huge difference to an IPA, and over 90 days, you know whatever hop character that you had in the beer is pretty much going to be gone. There's still going to be bitterness, and there's still going to be some hop character in there, but the really big, fresh hop character that you're really going after a good beer for, it just isn't in the beer really soon after it's made. Uh, you know, we even notice hop character diminishing in the fermenters. You know, while it's while it's aging, it, it goes away much more quickly than people give it credit for. But in the grand scheme of things, when you're talking about beer in general, and you've got you know all these crazy beers sitting in bombers in your in your kitchen or in your closet or this kind of thing, there's there's two main things that you need to worry about uh, in in terms of how the beer is going to taste over time, and that is either skunking or oxidation. So there, these are the two most common characteristics uh, of of aged beer that are unpleasant. So these are the things that you like I say you have to worry about. So skunking is really easy to protect against, uh, and because skunking comes from light. Uh, to be a little bit scientific about it, uh, there's uh, a UV uh, wavelength, it's UVB, that is actually uh, responsible for skunking. And uh, that is contained in both sunlight and fluorescent lights. And what that does uh, is it causes a photochemical reaction to the isohumulone from the, from the hops. It's actually a part of uh, hop oil and a hop compound. Um, and it actually does a, a chemical reaction within the beer, the finished product, to change that isohumulone to 3-methyl-2-butane-thiol, or otherwise known as MBT, and that is a chemical that humans perceive as skunky smell. Uh, it's not really pleasant, and I'm sure that almost anybody who's been listening to this has had it at some point in time. For instance, if you've ever had a Corona from anywhere... Uh, it has probably been skunked. Uh, although, if you want to try something really interesting, get a Corona in a can sometime and try it next to a Corona in a bottle, and it is two entirely different products. The the clear bottle allows that UV ray in really, really easily, and it will actually skunk in seconds. It takes something like 6 to 30 seconds to actually skunk a beer, a really light beer in a clear bottle. Uh, so set it out in your back porch for uh, a minute and a half and then open it up next to a can of Corona and it's really an incredible treat. Uh, one of the things that people tend to talk about is green bottles and brown bottles with skunking. And because UV light is pretty persistent, while those will slow it down, green will slow it down a little tiny bit, but not a lot. Uh, most green bottles will allow skunking very quickly. But even brown bottles will allow that UV light to get through. Not a lot, but over time, uh, if you have a brown bottle in sunlight or fluorescent light, uh, or really any light that will contain any sort of UV, uh, that beer will skunk as well. So the real trick to avoiding skunking is to keep your beer in a dark place. Uh, they talk about cellars for a reason. Cellars are really good. Um, wine deteriorates in sunlight as well, and so the reason that people keep wine in cellars is to keep it dark as well as cool.
So the other thing you have to worry about is something that's much more difficult to avoid, and that's oxidation. So oxidation is uh, actually a chemical um, that forms in beer over time, uh, and it, it really comes from the brewing process itself. So at any point in the brewing process, especially in the cold side, when any of the parts of the beer are oxidized, it creates a precursor for this chemical. It's uh, called trans-2-nonanol. Uh, so what this does, trans-2-nonanol, is over time, if it builds up over a long period of time, it creates a papery flavor. So if you've ever had a beer, uh, especially a light or low-alcohol beer, that sort of tastes a little papery, like a wet newspaper or maybe a wet cardboard, that's that trans-2-nonanol. Um, it happens eventually in all beer. There's no way you can stop it from happening. Uh, and even if you're Budweiser, uh, after a while, your beer will end up with this little papery flavor because eventually this chemical forms enough to a point that humans can detect it. Uh, actually, in uh, the oldest Budweiser I've ever had, it's probably three years old, uh, being kept in the heat. It really came out as a sherry-like flavor, but it was still that trans 2 none and all, and it was still in there, and it is still a sign of age in beer. So this is something that uh, you can't really avoid. It can be a really pleasant flavor in higher alcohol beers, darker beers. It tends to come across as a sherry character and uh, a much more pleasant character. But for the most part, um, it's going to come off as that wet newspaper, cardboardy flavor. Um, and it happens faster when the beer is warmer. So, uh, of course, warmth often helps chemical reactions happen. You know, heat is a catalyst, and uh, those things can actually uh, form faster uh, under warmer conditions. And so because of that, you also want to keep beer cool. So this comes down to the, uh, you know, should this beer be refrigerated thing? When you are a manufacturer and you're making beer, you make it in a cold environment. And the reason you make it in a cold environment is so that the beer will last longer and be fresher for a longer time. And so when you give it to a shipper or a, a retailer, you would like them to keep it as cold as possible for as long as possible because it lengthens the shelf life of your product and makes it so for two things to happen. One is that if there are any bacterial uh, contaminants in there whatsoever, they are going to take a lot longer to grow and thus create off flavors in um, in a cold environment. And it will also stop this oxidation process, stop the formation of trans 2 non and all, and really stop the process of aging from happening very quickly. So no matter what, no matter who you are, across the board, your beer should be cold. So let's talk a little bit about packaging. Uh, there's two you know, basically different types of packaging that we're going to talk about, and that's small packaging and large packaging. So you're either talking bottles, cans, growlers, uh, you know, that kind of thing, or large packaging, which is kegs. And the reason I'm talking about it in terms of two types of packaging like that is because uh, for all intents and purposes, bottles and cans and growlers are all going to be perceived in the same way, in that if they are packaged correctly, that is, if they're in an environment which there's as little oxygen as possible and little as little contamination as possible, they will last fine for a certain amount of time. And that certain amount of time, unless you're aging them on purpose, is going to be something like 60 to 90 days. And over that time, you're going to get some sort of staling flavor in those packages. Uh, the difference is that bottles, cans, and probably growlers can all be pasteurized. And so what pasteurization does is it really uh, stops that, that staling process from happening very quickly. The problem is that most people don't pasteurize. 
Um, you know, big brewers pasteurize. You're talking about Bud, Miller, Coors. Those guys can all get their beer pasteurized, and they do so. And so the shelf life of their product is months and months and months and months and months and months and months. And because the bulk of our drinking public is really used to that kind of thing, they think their beer can hang around for a really long time and can hang around, you know, in the front of a convenience store in a cardboard box and be fine. But most craft brewers don't pasteurize, and I would say uh, my guess would be that the you know 99% of craft brewers don't pasteurize. So there's absolutely no such thing as a craft brewed beer that will last for you know a really long time without getting some sort of oxidization or staling flavor in it. Uh, it's just going to happen no matter what. Kegs are even worse because uh, kegs you can't pasteurize. So the process of pasteurization is is bringing the liquid up to uh, about 140 degrees or warmer very, very quickly and then cooling it again. So what happens in that time is that you kill off anything that might be growing in there, yeast or some, you know most bacteria and stuff like this, uh, and you actually cause other, uh, you know, sort of precursor chemicals to go inert or denature. And so you... Uh, those staling processes won't happen as quickly. They'll eventually happen, but they won't happen as quickly. So uh, because you can't pasteurize a keg, kegs always need to be kept cold because you can't you know, flash heat an entire keg to 140 degrees because you actually burn part of it. Uh, so you, uh, you have a, kegs always have to be kept cold because they are always a live product and they're always going to be considered more fresh. It's one of the reasons that people think that there's a big difference in flavor between draft beer and bottled and canned beer, because if you look at the past, you know, 50, 60 years of brewing technology, uh, most of the big guys have been pasteurizing their product for a really long time, and most of the craft guys don't. So you really shouldn't see that much of a difference between a craft bottle or a craft can and craft on draft, uh, whereas you will on the big guys, because no matter what, they're cooking their product again after it's in the package because they're pasteurizing it, whereas they're not doing that in the can, uh, in the keg. So... What about aging? There's there's aging that it's a that's a good thing too, right? You know, you see people, uh, you know, check in on Untapped and, uh, you know, talking on Twitter or Facebook about like, oh, I just had this two th- 2007 barley wine, or I had this other thing from 1999. Uh, you know, probably the best beer I've ever had in my life a couple of years ago was a 1998 Sierra Nevada Bigfoot. It was just magnificent, beautiful, amazing flavors that came out of this thing. Uh, so some aging does create very, very desirable traits in beer. And they're generally going to be sherry-like flavors, port-like flavors, and some warm, leathery flavors. So those are all still trans and they're all still staling. But because of higher alcohol content and usually a lot of darker malts, they tend to come through as very, very you know warm and pleasant flavors rather than that paperiness. You still do get that paperiness, but it probably is going to be perceived much more as leather or something a little bit more pleasant. So the rule of thumb, for the most part in terms of aging, is that if it's over 6% alcohol, you're probably okay. If they're dark, you're probably better off. So you're talking about high alcohol styles, dark styles, stouts, barley wines, big Belgian beers, stuff like that. Even then, when you're talking about aging beers, you still want to do it in a cool and dark place. 
Uh, you can rapidly age things by putting them in a hot environment, but you're going to have essentially less control over that aging process, and you're much more likely to have something where the flavors are going to go out of whack very quickly, or you're going to get staling in a way that you don't want. So if you can keep it cool and allow those things to happen slowly and over time, uh, you're much more likely to get good flavors that are going to be really pleasant, and of course keeping it dark stops it from skunking. So in the end... I think it's really important to say that, that aging is a gamble. No matter what, you're taking a beer that was fresh and probably meant to be consumed fresh, and you're aging it. There are very, very few beers that are made for aging, and even the ones that are made for aging are still gambles. Um, you know, the Stone uh, series, the, the 111 through 1212 12s, uh, the anniversary beers from Stone, they say they're meant for aging, but they also have no idea how it's going to come out. So, uh, you know, it's just as much of a gamble for them as it is for you. You know, put them away and age them and see how they come out, but know that you're just as likely ruining the beer as you are making it better. Uh, and that's fine. That's part of the fun of aging. You know, I have boxes and boxes and boxes of beer myself that are sitting around because there's a lot of things that I keep on thinking to myself. That will probably be really good after a couple of years. After it mellows out the alcohol flavors and pick up, picks up all of those sherry notes and the nice leatheriness and, you know, brings the chocolate flavors to the forefront. Smoked beers age really well, in my, in my opinion. You know, stuff like that. Um, those things can be, you know, a, an exciting gamble and, a, and an exciting thing to put away. But be ready because there, you're just as likely to find out that you, um, you, you took that beer and ruined it. And, the, and what was a great beer a year and a half ago is now... Uh, just a big bottle of newspaper. So now that we've talked about aging, we've talked about staling, we've talked about all of these things that can go wrong with beer over time uh, and how to keep your beer fresh, I want to talk a little bit about beer stores because this is probably one of my big pet peeves in the industry and it's going to feel a little like I'm calling out people that I know well and that I uh, am good friends with uh, who run beer stores, but they really can't help it. Uh, so we're going to talk about it anyway. And that is... Imagine, think about the last beer store that you went into and how much of their shelf space is refrigerated. The, in my recent memory, the, the biggest thing that I've gone into that has refrigerated space is Total Wine. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's like a grocery store for, for wine and beer, right? They've got five, six hundred, seven hundred bottles on the shelf. Uh, and they do have a hell of a lot of cooler space and more cooler space than you're going to see in most small bottle shops. Uh, and it's filled with a lot of mass-market beer and very, very little craft. And it's a real shame, because the stuff that's sitting on the shelves are warm, and they're underneath fluorescent lights, and they are constantly aging very quickly and getting skunked over time, and anything that sits on that shelf for a very long time is uh, staling in a way that's not going to be very pleasant. So think about your local craft store, right? You walk in, it's a beautiful little store that's arrayed with all of these great beers from England and Belgium and, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of breweries from around the United States. And there's just a vast array of beer. There's thousands of beers on the shelves. And you have to think about the fact that not all of those are turning over very quickly. And so some of that stuff has been sitting on the shelf for a long time, a couple months, right? Uh, and of those beers they're sitting warm and in a warm environment. You know, it's 70 degrees in the store, and, you know, in the summer, maybe it's closer to 80. Uh, 
and there's all of these windows because beer is beautiful and the labels are beautiful and you want to show them off but those you know that sunlight is going to be raking across those those bottles and the the fluorescent lights are always on you know while the while the people are in there so you got fluorescent light beating down on those bottles as well and all of that is leading to a subprime experience for beer and it makes me really sad and the reason that the beer stores have to do this is because it's very, very expensive to have refrigerated storage space. And the problem comes down to the drinker. The drinker doesn't know enough to walk into a store and say, hey, wow, you know, these bottles aren't being refrigerated, so they're probably not good. And they'll just buy them anyway because, oh my god, I haven't heard of that evil twin beer. That sounds so good. Let's, you know, go ahead and get that. Um... The problem is that the you know the person the one person that decides to open up a beer shop with all refrigerated beer space is going to be spending a mint in making that store right like you can put out all of the money you want to get all of these uh refrigerated shelves and everything like this, but it doesn't mean that people are going to come shop at your store more and know that your beer is going to be fresher and better over time uh and any less likely to buy it there. You can't charge more for that beer, even though you've put all of this money into putting that refrigerated shelf space in, because if somebody can go across town and buy it for cheaper, they will. And they'll be buying it cheaper at a place that isn't keeping it cold and are, you know, not going to have as good beer, but the drinker, most drinkers don't know enough to go get it from a refrigerated beer store. And so there are no refrigerated beer stores. And it makes me a little sad because I feel like the retailers really probably know better uh, and know that they should be keeping their beer cold mo- most often, but they don't really have the option to do so because refrigeration is so expensive and um, and the, the casual drinker has no good way of, of, you know, letting them know that, hey, I would buy this anyway, even if it was cold. Um, it's a it's a problem in the industry. I think across the board, retailers don't know it. Uh, you know, grocery stores are keeping beer warm out in stacks on their floors. Uh, a lot of retailers have their best beers sitting next to the door, where they're getting sunlight during the day, and and you know, people walking in on the summer's day and hot air blowing across the bottles and just aging and and staling those beers even faster. And uh, and I feel like the real detriment is that a lot of drinkers just don't know that that's not the best way to keep beer. So. Here I am telling you, best way to keep beer is cold. Please, please keep your beer cold uh, and tell people to keep their beer cold. It'll just be better for the beer. It'll be better for your drinking experience. And, you know, hey, maybe someday down the road we'll have to pay an extra dollar for that bottle of beer. Uh, But you know what? It'll be a bottle of beer that is fresher and tastes better, so it's probably worth paying it. Um, And just maybe it won't be bud. So uh, that's me signing off on the Top Fermented Podcast. If there's anything that I didn't talk about that you had questions about, feel free to shoot me an email at ericatopfermented.com and, uh, you know, grab one of those beers that you have sitting aging and uh, taste it and see what the gamble is worth. And I uh, hope you enjoy it. Cheers. <laughs>